0: From St. John's Gospel, Jesus wept. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, friends, today uh, we are here to celebrate what's known as a Requiem Mass, which is essentially a Mass where we remember those who have died, pray, and thank God for the privilege of knowing those and having the opportunity to mourn those whom we love, but who have died, also known as the faithful departed. The word requiem comes from the very first word, if you look at it in Latin, uh, of the entire service. Requiem, eternum, eis domine, which translated roughly is, eternal, grant them eternal rest, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. We continue to use that very verse in English, of course, in our Book of Common Prayer, And I would encourage you as we go through the rest of the liturgy today, as the music is being sung, which is beautiful and glorious, read the words, man, the translation, because the power in the words and the phrasing accompanied with the music just communicates what Mozart intended to be communicated, which was both the finality of death and the glory of the resurrection through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But here is a question for you today. Why do we pray for the dead at all? If you're an Anglican or a Roman Catholic or Orthodox, or I think Lutherans do this too, I'm not entirely sure, uh, we do pray for the dead, but most other denominations would think, why in the world would you do that? Why would you pray for the dead? They're dead. Well, let me first, first say what we're not doing and then tell you what we are doing. The first thing we are not doing, what we are not doing, what we are not doing is praying people into heaven. Listen. We are not praying people into heaven. We are, not, we are not trying to get them across the finish line with a couple extra nudges from down below. My seminary professor once said that people in the Middle Ages mistook this as trying to get granny off the griddle, right? A little levity in a backroom is okay. But here's the thing, man. People... Christian theology is simple, that people are saved, heaven or hell, at their death, depending upon the choice that they make in their lives, to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and live accordingly, or reject it. The choice is yours and mine and all the departed. We pray today for not the the dead at large, but for the faithful departed, those who have died with the assurance of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to save them from hell. That is whom we pray for today, the saved. That's who we remember today, the saved. And you know, if it sounds strange, we actually do this every week. If you come to church here, you know that Ordinarily, we pray for the dead at the prayers of the people. We do pray for them, remember them, that they would grow in holiness even as we wait for Christ's return. We do pray for them every week, but we actually don't just pray for them. We actually pray with them. I'll read it to you. Once I say it, you'll realize what I mean. Every Sunday, every Mass, actually, we say the following prayer right before the Sanctus prayers when the bells are rung. We say, therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name evermore, praising thee, God, and saying, holy, holy, holy. Let me read that again. Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Well, who's that? Dead Christians. So we don't just pray for them, friends. We literally pray alongside them and alongside angels and archangels your dead friends, your family who are saved. We're not just praying for them, we're praying with them. So reality is a requiem mass is a day to do lots of things, to thank God for the people he's placed in our lives, to pray for the dead that they would continue to grow in holiness and trust in the Lord, but also to pray with them, even as we wait for Christ's return. But there's one more thing that I want to talk about briefly this morning, that nobody ever talks about, that what a requiem does, it gives us an opportunity and a chance to mourn, M-O-U-R-N, mourn. What do I mean by that? Well, from our gospel today, you heard the uh, the brief gospel lesson, which we read, is is a story literally from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is at the requiem mass of his friend Lazarus. Yes, Jesus had friends, and he is at the funeral of a, of a friend of his, a dear friend of his, Lazarus, who has died. Jesus is there. And I want you to think about that for a moment because we as Christians worship a God who knows firsthand what it feels like to be at the death of someone he loves. It's amazing if you think about it, that we worship a God who is God and man, who knows what it feels like to be at the funeral of someone he loves deeply. Just like you. So Jesus Christ knows what it means and shows us how to mourn. Now I'll show you this. Uh, the The English word says that Jesus arrived at Lazarus' funeral. He sees the body of Lazarus, or the tomb rather. Come and see. They show him where Jesus is. And the English translation says, Jesus wept. It is the shortest sentence in the entire New Testament. It's two words in English. It's only one word in Greek. The New Testament originally is written in Greek. This is a translation of the Greek. Jesus wept. Well, what does that sound like to you? I don't know about you, but for me, the word weep sounds like a sniffle. Right? A little hesitancy, like you'd weep when you know, your ice cream cone melts when you were a kid. right? Which you might not know, you do if you come to church here, but if you don't, you might not know that the Greek words have a greater semantic range, meaning the Greek words that are translated can sometimes mean things far broader and far more profound than the English translation allows us. For example, this word, the Greek word Jesus wept is one word, kaleio. What does that mean? Listen to this. It doesn't just mean weep. It doesn't just mean that. It doesn't and it doesn't it does mean all of the emotional stew that goes with a situation like this. If you've ever buried someone you love or been to a funeral of someone you love or been by the bedside of someone whom you love when they died, you you felt this. Kaleio sadness. I could call it out, pain, loss, frustration, a sense of finality, which it is, a sense of your own mortality, which it also is. That word Kaleio, that Jesus confronts Lazarus' death today, means all those things, sadness and, and pain and loss and finality and mortality and all those things that go along with it. But there's one word, one nuance that weep does not capture. And nobody ever talks about this, but it's there. That word weep also means anger. Jesus' cry is not a sob or a whimper. Pass me a Kleenex? No. His kaleio is a gut-wrenching cry of pain and loss and sadness and anger. Don't miss that nuance. It's really important. Rage! would not be such a bad way to render that. Rage would not be a bad way to translate that word. Tim Keller, who you may know, I'm a big fan of Tim Keller. He's a pastor up in New York City. He wants to this word, kaleio, in this context, listen to this, as a word that a war horse makes when it charges in battle. It's a grunt. It's a groan. It's a fight. That might sound strange to you. Jesus angry and enraged? Well, that's because your view of Jesus is too small. And quite frankly, if you've ever loved someone who's died and been at their bedside and maybe held their hand or watched them die in front of you, you, you dig down a little, you'll feel that too. You felt it. So have I. Sadness and loss and pain and anger and rage and a lot of times that anger and rage gets directed at the doctors or the nursing staff or yourself or God. What do we do with this, this anger that's real? What do we do with that? Because we live in a culture which can't handle it. We live in a culture which teaches us that the biggest thing we have to do is to avoid this suffering. You know, this past July, some of you know, this past July, my father, my dad died. And he didn't pass. I had a friend of mine say to me, I'm sorry to hear of your father's passing. I said, my father didn't pass. My father is dead. I pass people on the way to work. My dad's dead. Someone said to me, another, another clergy friend of him said to me about Father Edmiston, who used to be a parishioner here, who's now dead. He said, hey, I, and it wasn't anybody on my staff, he said uh, Hey, I heard of Father Allen's transition. And I said, transition? Nothing. He's dead. Why does that feel strange to us? Why do we not have the ability to call a spade a spade? Why do we not have the ability to to confront the reality that's in front of us? I'll tell you why. It's our culture can't handle it. And a lot of us can't either. Because when a person dies... When a person dies, it's not just that person that dies, is it? It's also a part of you, isn't it? And me. When a person dies, it's not just that person that dies, it's a part of you. And yes, friends, anger is a part of it. Rage is a part of it. It's there. And if you haven't felt it, you haven't dug deep enough. And the reason that Jesus is angry, this is really profound. The reason he's angry is he's not bad at God. He is God. Listen to this. What Jesus is angry at, what Jesus is enraged about, is the reality of death itself. What Jesus is angered about is the, is the reality of sin and death itself. You know, if you know your scripture, it wasn't supposed to be this way, man. If you know your Bible, you know that the Bible teaches us that God created us to live with him forever, with bodies that didn't get old and didn't die. We call that Eden, the Garden of Eden. It's only two chapters in the book. Because by chapter 3, we see the introduction of sin and brokenness into that Garden of Eden. And we also see the introduction of, of disease and evil and suffering and death. The point is, this is not the way. God intended for us to live this life the life that you have I have right now is not the way God intended for us to live a requiem is not natural and that is why Jesus is enraged It's kind of like when your kids get themselves into trouble what have you done who's done this to you that's the idea so what's the fix well as we read as we hear and pray through this this liturgy today you see, two themes in Christian theology. One, an absolute confronting the facts. People die married to the joy of the hope in Christ because Jesus Christ, the warhorse, his anger, his rage leads him to fight the fight from the foot of Calvary on the cross, to die on that cross to pay for my sins and for yours, for anybody who agrees to accept that gift and to offer us restoration and heaven and hope. And he also tells us that when Christ returns, the dead shall be resurrected with new, physical, real bodies that don't get old and don't die and don't suffer. My grandfather once said to me, that's awfully hard to believe. And I said, well, grandfather, I said, well, grandpa, does Jesus lie? And he said, nope. I said, well, that's what he teaches us, that when he comes back, we are resurrected with him. In effect, in effect, we join him in a reconstituted, reconstituted, renewed Eden. See, friends, for the Christian, a requiem is a time to mourn, it is a, it is a time to confront And feel sadness it is a time to confront the anger and pain and even the rage that lives in your heart but to realize not to run from it and also don't pretend it's not there but thirdly, recognize that Jesus Christ has conquered that death for us once and for all friends this world is not the way that God designed it to be but as Christians even as we mourn we rejoice we thank Jesus Christ who saved them, who offers to save us and to restore us to our Father in heaven and to give us the victory, the victory over death itself. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for those we love and who have died. We thank you for the lives of those you have placed in our path on this life. Even as we mourn their loss, remind us to be thankful for the gift of them in our lives And most importantly, thankful for your son, Jesus, who died to save them. In his name, we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.